When the new year rolls around, folks start thinking about their health from both a personal and a business standpoint. But what options are out there for truckers and carriers to start to take control of these two important aspects of their everyday lives? That plus more all in today's episode of Cyberly. I am your host, Blythe Bremley, and we cover B2B marketing, the attention economy, and how it all fits into the world of logistics. And in today's episode, we are talking with Jonathan Rojas at Transfix about software for carriers to help them manage their fleets by upgrading those outdated systems to new workflows. We're talking to Mark Manera of the Trucking Fitness Company, and he's shedding a light on how truckers can stay fit and his TikTok glow up. Then we're also going to talk a little bit about the logistics of championship merchandise and the attention economy for cows. I promise that that makes sense later on in today's episode. But that first topic that I wanted to dive into is the logistics of championship merchandise, which if you watched the championship game earlier this week between Alabama and Georgia, spoiler alert, Georgia won, but you may have noticed that during the post-game coverage that Georgia linebacker N'Kobe Dean was actually enjoying the celebration while wearing an Alabama hat. It was later corrected, but you might be asking yourself, well, how did this happen? And where does that Alabama merchandise, the loser merchandise from the championship game, where does that go to after the game is over? So let's start with the first part of the logistics of championship merchandise. And that's on the manufacturing side of things. Because as a background to it, the, the NFL partners or the NFL and other leagues like the NCAA and the other major sports leagues, they partner with companies like Fanatics and local printing shops. And usually the week before the championship game, that's when two sets of championship merchandise is printed and around 250 units. So enough units for the players and the staff that are going to actually be on the field. They print one set for one team and they print another set for the other team. Now, each sets are placed in their respective bags and kept at the stadium, usually an official from each league or, you know, from the NFL or from the NCAA, Uh, an official from that league is responsible only for that merchandise. And so they keep tabs on it. They keep track of it. And towards the end of the game, if there is a clear winner, one set will be left behind in an office from the official organization. So typically, you know, like the league offices from the NFL, the NCAA officials, not folks directly associated with the team, but more from like the corporate level that are in charge of these or in charge of these bags of this championship merchandise. So if there's a clear winner, they leave one behind and they start to bring the official winner's merchandise out closer to the field. If it's a close game, however, then officials will bring both sets of the team gear to the field. So if you're watching this on FreightWaves TV, you'll notice that the clip that is playing is officials scrambling towards the end of the infamous game where the Giants ended the Patriots goal. This was back in 2009. So if the footage is a little fuzzy, uh, that's why. It's because we've come light years since then as far as broadcast footage is concerned. But that infamous game ended the Patriots, the Giants ended the Patriots goal of trying to get that perfect season, that 19 and 0 perfect record. But if you notice in the clip that one official has one team's gear and the other team is hidden in the referee section. And so when the game is going back and forth, the officials are having to switch out this merchandise several times because the game just keeps going back and forth. So You can kind of understand knowing that context and how this merchandise is handled from getting to the manufacturer, the print shop, to the the official's hands, and then making it to the field. It can kind of make sense why that Georgia linebacker was wearing the wrong hat initially earlier this week. 
over on the sidelines trying to, and I think there also may be some confusion from a lot of the different officials when you play for Georgia and you're used to seeing a lot of Georgia merchandise, which the Atlanta A, Atlanta Braves A, is very similar to the Alabama A. So you could kind of understand how that mix-up might have happened in the first place. So we talk about the distribution of, to, of the merchandise to the players and the staff on the field, but what about the distribution to the fans after that moment is captured, after the championship or after the champion is determined? How does that gear get to the fans? Well, Fanatics is the company that most sports fans are aware of, and they hold the printing rights to all of the major sports leagues and their championship merchandise. But in this 2019 Fast Company article, it highlights how they print merchandise quickly. And I'm going to quote the article here. It says, more than 50% of a championship team's merchandise sales take place within the first 72 hours after the win. To meet this demand and maximizing fulfillment, Fanatics enlists local printers and even sets up pop-up shops along victory parade routes. For an example, the Washington Capitol Stanley Cup victory back in June, just a few years ago, the company teamed up with Uber to deliver orders. Fanatics is able to drive sales, Max says, by tapping into that excitement. So that's a cool little note that within 72 hours, all of the fans of that winning team they then want that same merchandise that they saw their team wearing after the post game or during the post game coverage. So it's pretty insightful or it's pretty interesting that within the first 72 hours, that's when most of the championship merchandise is being printed and being sold. Now, what about the losing merchandise? Maybe a lot of you sports fans have probably already heard that a lot of this merch gets donated across the globe to countries in need, especially after maybe they've experienced a natural disaster and some of this merchandise is in high need. So what happens in that case is the NFL, along with other major sports leagues like the NCAA, they partner with a charity called Good360. We're going to go ahead and play a clip from Fox 13 in Tampa. Sherry Rudolph is with Good360, a nonprofit that partners with the NFL to ensure those unusable items don't go on the market and are donated to people in places that need them the most. We work with the NFL on a pre-vetted and pre-approved list of countries, and those goods could go anywhere in Africa, Asia, the Middle East. Between the two conference title games and the Super Bowl, literally thousands of items will be shipped, including branded masks new this year. These things, even t-shirts, and hats and sweatshirts can truly be life-changing and transformational for those who otherwise wouldn't have access to these goods. Never before has it been greater than now because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So even the losing side still wins in a sense, even if that victory goes unseen. For the fans of whichever team doesn't happen to take home the trophy this weekend, there's definitely a silver lining that these products will help people in need. In Tampa, Josh Cassio, Fox 13 News. That is a silver lining. Good 360 works with several other hundred, uh, several hundred other companies on those kinds of donations. Another major league partner of theirs is Major League Baseball. Now, what's cool about this and what's briefly mentioned in that Good 360 news story is that it partners with other charities too. So it's not like you know, somebody in need is just getting a bunch of merchandise from a loser team in the U.S. They're getting an entire package of goods, food, water, basics, 
basic supplies, basic necessities along with this merchandise. So it goes over a little bit better, in my opinion, when it's a whole package instead of just sending these oversized t-shirts to to countries in need, because they need a lot more, let's be honest, than than just the t-shirts. So that's a good note about that good 360 charity. And then instead of... it, it, It also thinking of it from the perspective of some of these other bigger brands like Chanel, Louis Vuitton, when they have a surplus of merchandise, what they do is they burn it. They they don't donate it to other countries. They just get rid of the merchandise because they don't want they don't want to, the perception of their brand to be devalued, whatever, you know, obviously that means, um, which we know what it means, but it still just kind of sounds like a jerky thing to say. You have all of this merchandise and you could be donating it to people who need it or maybe even severely discounting it and, and selling it off at outlet stores, something like that, something other than just burning the merchandise, perfectly good merchandise. Um, so that's what this charity, Good360, um, that, that's what they stand for is, is, instead of destroying merchandise, taking merchandise, and then also necessities like food and water and other life hygiene products, things like that. And they then donate it to a country in need. They work with their partners in order to pre-vet different, uh, different countries that they would be sending this merchandise to. So that's obviously a good thing instead of burning that merchandise. But the last part of this story, which I wanted to leave you with, is that going back to that Patriots versus Giants game, now that that was a perfect season that never was for the Patriots. But when those shirts were taken and they were donated to a small village in that was, I think, devastated by a hurricane earlier that year, a girls soccer team actually used those Patriots 19-0 perfect season t-shirts that never were. They used them as their uniform. And then they would go on to win their league championship, their local league championship, wearing those same shirts and a comeback two-to-one victory in their title game. So while that's a really good story, and while this entire process feels kind of like a mad scramble, a lot of this is done with intentionally and on occasion, a funny story like the Georgia linebacker wearing the wrong merchandise takes place. But then on the other hand, a wholesome story like the girls soccer team wearing the 19-0 shirts gets to actually celebrate a championship that was supposed to be celebrated by the Patriots, but now they get to celebrate a championship wearing those same shirts. So both of those stories are really fun to share and a much better alternative than what some other companies choose to do with their surplus merchandise and just letting it go to waste. So I thought that that was a fun little dive into what happens during the entire process of the the printing and the shipping and the distribution, and not only the distribution to the fans and to the players on the field, but then the distribution of that merchandise so that it does not go to waste. So that is the logistics of championship merchandise. And from one cool story to another, let's bring on our first guest for today's show, and that's Mark Manera. He is the founder and CEO of the Trucking Fitness Company. And for Mark, uh, for folks who aren't on social media and been living under a rock, tell us a little bit about who Mark is and and your mission. Yeah, well, first off, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. And yeah, to give you a little background on myself, so I'm I'm a physical therapist. I actually got started working in trucking from rehabbing drivers in a PT clinic, and that was really my first experience seeing firsthand, you know, the struggles drivers go with, um, struggles drivers have with their health. And as I got deeper into the industry, I you know started recognizing 
how that affects not only them, but, you know, the whole trucking industry as a whole. And, you know, I think right now retention and we, everything about the driver shortage is all over social media, like you said. And I think, you know, when it comes to driver's health, it, it's a huge portion of that pie because if the drivers aren't healthy, they can't sit behind the truck and drive. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I'm really on a mission to make the trucking industry a healthier place. And I think that starts from, you know, multiple levels of direct to the driver, but also helping companies have the resources and guidance to uh, give their drivers the, you know, the ability to exercise and eat healthy on the road. So that's a background. So, so for you, was it fitness first that you were first passionate about? Or was it the trucking industry? How did you find yourself getting into trucking? Um, How did you, I, I guess, how did that journey start for you? Yeah, well, I mean, I think this goes way back of just kind of why I went the physical therapy direction was I, I love fitness, I love health and wellness. And uh, my family and my parents are eye doctors. And I always say I didn't want to stare at eyes all day, but I knew I wanted to do something in the medical field. And I kind of figured the combination of my love for fitness and the medical side of things was physical therapy. And so I went in school, had that passion. And then I kind of figured out, hey, I like the preventative side of things more so than the rehab side of things. And when I had those that experience uh, with the drivers in the clinic, and, you know, I was rehabbing them at that point, but really just hearing their stories, hearing, you know, the struggles they go through on the road, I was like, hey, I can fill this gap. And I, I can really make a change. And, you know, the impact that helping a driver, you know, lose 50 pounds and, you know, be able to control their diabetes and be there for their family. Or, you know, from an impact standpoint, that's so much more impactful than, you know, helping you squat 10 more pounds in the gym, you know, on your back squat, you know, and nothing against that. But that is kind of my mission and my, you know, what's passion, why I'm so passionate about the trucking industry. And, you know, like I said, I don't have family that, uh, you know, grew up generations of trucking in my blood. But I am kind of jumping in after that experience working with them in the clinic. And I've learned a ton from, you know, the last year and a half of just uh, diving in. And so with your perspective, because you, I love that perspective that you're you're almost like the, that fresh pair of eyes. You just said that you don't want to stare at eyes, you know, for a living. But it's really that fresh pair of eyes that you're bringing to the industry as far as fitness is concerned. What kind of challenges are, are, are truckers initially facing when they or before they decide to join a program like yours? And, and what is sort of that, the, you know, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back to, to make them join a program like yours? Yeah, you know, I think that it's kind of there's there's two big categories. And I think the first one is the obvious ones that everyone knows, right? It's tough to eat healthy out there. There's not a ton of different, you know, healthy food options. When it comes to trying to find a gym on the road or just find, you know, time even to set aside to exercise. There's a lot of different barriers that make it tough. But, you know, the bigger thing on that I found coming into the industry and just talking to tons and tons of different drivers was more so the mindset that a lot of drivers have. And I found that, you know, the biggest industry-wide problem is that for a lot of drivers, they just are kind of down on their health from the get-go. They're like, I'm a driver. I can't, I can't be healthy. I mean, look at look at what I have to do. Right. And so I think for me, one of the biggest obstacles I've had to face was how do I combat that mindset and help drivers, number one, say, hey, yes, you can. And two, say it's 100% worth the sacrifice that you're going to have to make because truck driver or not truck driver, to be healthy, you have to make a sacrifice. 
And so with some of the things that you're, you're, you're teaching drivers, what are some of your favorite ways to teach them about staying healthy on the job? Is it, is it fitness? Is it food? Is it a combination of the two? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a combination of both exercise and nutrition and some accountability Mm -hmm. and just having that mindset. Like I said, I think the biggest thing that I've found is that when anyone's trying to figure out where to start, it's like this huge uphill battle and it's almost too intimidating that it's just easier to say, and I'll do this later. And then they end up not doing it later. Right. But so for me, it's where, how can I give them the easiest entry point into starting? And for, for me, I feel as though exercise and some nutritional habits are the place to start. And what in the physical therapy world and the health and fitness, they call that a linchpin habit. And what I mean by that is you start exercising and then without having to try any other, you know, without trying to eat healthier, sleep better, all these other things, exercising causes those other things to become healthier. Mm -hmm. And so I've found exercise to be an actionable step of, I did this, I checked it off my list and I'm physically, you know, I can see that I'm, you know, making improvement day after day after day. And so tell us a little bit about the program because it, it's app-based, right? For, from what I understand, it's, it's an app that they download and then they keep track of their nutrition um, and, and of their fitness goals. Are these customized goals or are they kind of just like a generic starting point and then they become custom? Tell us a little bit about how that, I guess, onboarding experience works for drivers. Yeah, so we've got uh, two paths. So we work with uh, direct-to-driver. They go on our website and sign up or we work with trucking companies actually for free, and we offer our program as a payroll deduction benefit um, to their drivers at a discounted rate. So that's kind of our corporate wellness side of things. But for both sides, um, the drivers have an app-based platform right on their phone. They fill out a questionnaire. Based off that questionnaire, we put them in a personalized plan that's based off of their current fitness level, um, but also you know, based off their goals and where they want to exercise at. So in their truck, outside of their truck, even at home. And then the nutrition side of things, we've got personalized based off of the goals that they fill out in the, um, in the questionnaire. And then they also have access to our community and just a ton of other content that will help them you know, slowly integrate healthier lifestyle into their current routine. And with some of these exercises, you, you mentioned inside of the truck and outside of the truck, are, is it like body weight exercises? Are it, it, what, uh, what, can you give us a sample of what those exercises inside and outside of the truck would look like? Yeah. So actually, when you sign up for our membership, every single driver who signs up gets a free resistance band. So super lightweight, they can carry it, store it easily in their truck. We do a ton of exercises with the resistance band. So rows, you can do, you know, you can put it and do curls, you can do overhead press, you can, um, and we also do body weight exercises like sit to stands on their bed in the bunk or uh, incline pushups against their, against their bed in the trunk or outside incline pushups against their truck and utilizing different um, exercise and resistance band exercises uh, and combining based off of, you know, the current, the current, uh, goals and uh, path that they want to go on. And so one, one of my favorite things that you've done with this program is that you, you've blown up on, on social media sharing this message. How did you initially get, or, or what was, I guess, the catalyst for you to not only start the program, but then to start getting the message out using social media? Yeah, you know, I felt like, especially because I didn't know anyone in trucking, I felt like if I was going to get into 
um, the community, if I was going to get my name out there, it was going to have to be through social media. And, you know, I'm sure you being where you're at in uh, freight and transportation, you understand that there, there are definitely some people who are doing great stuff on social media, but as a whole, uh, the trucking industry kind of lacks content. Um, and so I saw that in a huge, you know, I saw that huge gap, especially when it came to health and fitness, uh, because obviously there are a couple of other people out there doing um, health and fitness programs for drivers, but they aren't putting out great content every single day. And so when I started putting out driver specific content, I saw people start starting to see what we were doing and it's just opened up a ton of different doors. And, you know, you mentioned at the beginning, uh, the TikTok was something that surprised me. I, I was surprised. It makes sense that drivers get done for the day and they love going on and scrolling TikTok. Cause that's what I like to do myself too. But, um, it's been, it's been really cool to see the community that's on TikTok and drivers participating and, um, you know, just, I think the ability for people outside of trucking to see the lifestyle of drivers on TikTok when they're posting about, you know, their daily routine or what it's like to live in the truck. So I think it's really cool um, on that side of things. I, I love that because you, you're also incorporating drivers in a lot of your videos as well. And it's just, I have been preaching to the high heavens on this show about how drivers have the best social media game in the entire industry. And there it's, it, it's across all channels. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, it doesn't matter the platform. Well, LinkedIn, not so much. But the rest of the platforms, they just dominate. They have thousands and thousands of followers. So it's just, to me, it's a, it's a completely missed opportunity by the majority of companies in this space by not partnering with a lot of these different drivers, especially the ones that have, th there's, there's a few drivers I can think off the top of my head that have more than 250,000 followers and they are unsponsored. They're not working, you know, with any kind of influencer deals that I'm aware of. And it just feels like a missed opportunity of what, you know, could be happening in the future. Um, would you say that, you know, knowing all of that, and, and you mentioned TikTok is, is TikTok probably your, your favorite platform at the moment, or are there other platforms that are performing well for you community engagement wise? Yeah, I would say, well, I would say um, probably TikTok's our biggest platform, um, along with Facebook is really, really big. And I think, you know, getting in with some of the Facebook groups have been really important. That's actually how we got our first beta group really? way back when we started this. I joined a bunch of Facebook groups, put a post out there, and I got 20 drivers just to try out our program, give us a bunch of feedback. So I found that Facebook, TikTok have been much uh, the best, the two best categories. Instagram kind of honestly, just with what I found has been more so, okay, whatever I'm going to post on Facebook, I'm just going to post on Instagram too. Um, but then, you know, from a industry wide LinkedIn's also been really good. For that's us, that's so. awesome to hear. Cause I, I wouldn't have expected, well, I imagine you can connect better with carriers on, on LinkedIn. Um, but then Facebook too, cause you don't, you don't really hear about, you know, people promoting Facebook and I tried to avoid that platform at all costs, but groups is, is probably the, the most powerful feature, um, that Facebook still has going for it. Um, with respect to the current platforms that you're, you're creating on, you have, you also have a podcast as well. How are you planning out your content? Is it, you know, something that you're planning in advance or you just wake up with a, you know, an idea in the morning and you just shoot from the hip? Yeah. So, you know, I get a lot of inspiration from like the old Gary V stuff of like the pillar content. And that's kind of where my head's at with building up the podcast, because then I can use the podcast. I'm trying to do two a week. I don't know how you do this because it's it's really hard <laughs> to do two a week sometimes uh, doing it you know, as a solopreneur over here. But 
I, uh, I try to use clips then to promote the podcast. And then Smart. also um, from there, uh, I'm hopefully starting to, I, it's on my to-do list. We'll see if I get there to then turn that into a blog post and just create more content through that. And uh, I also just, I like to batch content. So Sunday's my content day. I try to batch out for the whole week and then go from there. Um, so that's kind of my initial strategy. And it's always kind of, making tweaks here and there to, because I personally uh, think content is king and the more I can put out, you know, the better. I mean, obviously you're, you're doing a great job of it. So it sounds like your, you know, your processes are in place and it's just a matter of just refining and tweaking it as you go. Um, so you're already doing a lot of the, you know, a lot of really great things. So I'll, I'll end it with this, with this question. Do you have a favorite success story from a driver that you'd like to share? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I don't know if I, I'd categorize as my favorite, but last night I was uh, on our platform and someone who signed up the last week of December is already down nine pounds. And it's like, oh my gosh, I mean, what a way to start the new year. So shout out to Sandy uh, for starting and making a change in 2022. And, you know, I think just the challenge I put out to drivers and anyone out there that it's, we're 13 days into January. You got a long year you didn't miss the opportunity to start. You can start today. You can start tomorrow. And, uh, you know, if, if you miss the first two weeks, it's not a big deal. Absolutely. And shout out to Sandy losing nine pounds during the holidays. Usually people are on the opposite end. They're gaining those nine pounds during the holidays. So if you're losing pounds during the holidays, you're doing something right. All right, Mark, where can folks follow you and, and more of your work? Yeah. If you look up the trucking fitness company on any social media or uh, Mark Monero on LinkedIn and our website uh, is truckingfit.com, T-R-U-C-K-I-N-F-I-T.com. Appreciate your time. Awesome insight and, and, and looking forward to continue watching you grow. Awesome. Thank you for having me on. All right. Well, from one side of the coin where we're talking about the the health and wellness industry, let's switch gears to talking about your business health, especially when it comes to, you know, the, the, the workflows and the processes that you're using. Jonathan Rojas, VP of Carrier Management and Operations over at Transfix is now joining the show. And, and Jonathan, for folks who are unfamiliar with Transfix, can you give us a little bit of an elevator pitch on how you help shippers versus carriers? Yes, awesome. Thanks for having me on. Um, so at Transfix, we're marketing market leading next generation flat plat, platform for trans, transforming the tradition and traditional and digital freight sector. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is for carriers looking to find different types of opportunities for their business, not necessarily one load to one truck, but different opportunities that allows them to actually find consistency to their business. And on the shipper end, what we're looking to do is find partner carriers that match to the business. And once again, not a one-to-one, but look to find a one-to-many. And, and so with your, backing it up a little bit, because you've been in logistics for a while. You spent some time at JB Hunt and Walmart before landing your current role over at Transfix. But before we get into your time at, at Transfix, how did you initially find yourself wanting to work in logistics? Did you come from a family um, that, that worked in logistics or trucking for a long period of time? Or did you just sort of, you know, find yourself being attracted to it? Funny story. So what I tell everyone, Craigslist got me into logistics. <laughs> uh, in college, I was looking for an internship and ended up landing a, an internship through Craigslist and worked for a, a brokerage out of Orlando and really learned the industry and, and got an appreciation for, you know, your avocado in the supermarkets, like this, all this work behind the scenes that happens to get it there. And from there, it really, I was very curious on like how inefficient it was. So at the time, um, I 
the, the guy that taught me the business, he took out an atlas and this is like 2011. And I'm like, an atlas, what is an atlas? I obviously knew what an atlas was, but like, I was like, Google Maps, like we can use Google right. Maps. Um, so it was definitely like eye opening in terms of, you know, the lack of technology in, in trucking. And he, like early on in the, tra- in, in the internship, I was like looking to find uh, like ways to optimize our process. And it continued just like more and more curiosity just continued to lead me through, you know, getting it more ingrained in, in freight. And so you, you obviously have that background from working with carriers um, all throughout the years. And then you find yourself at Transfix and your carrier relationship, you know, how does that, I guess, how does the relationship evolve with the carriers? Because you've been there at Transfix for, for more than six years. So with the digital age that we find ourselves in, do you find it more challenging or, or kind of easier to connect with carriers nowadays? I think it's easier to be honest with you. You know, I think the the one thing that is exciting is carriers want to change. They know the industry is changing. They know technology is coming. I think sometimes technology can be intimidating and they don't know where to start, right? Like there's a lot of stuff out there that exists and a lot of stuff is popping up. Uh, but in terms of the relationship, we're able to, you know, at Transfix, we're able to show carriers how to leverage technology. We're able to show them that by leveraging our platform, they're actually able to use a platform in their advantage to gain access to more business in terms of being able to let the platform do the work for you because you're actually very good at running a trucking company. But in terms of finding business, let us help you with that and really be an extension of your sales team. So like that way they can, you know, grow their business and then execute their business um, at the same time using our technology. Let's actually get into a little bit of those specifics because what are those pain points that a carrier is experiencing before they join your platform? And then what does Transfix solve for them? How, how does how does Transfix fit into their workday? Yeah, so pain points for carriers, not, it's not necessarily very easy to go find consistent freight, right? Like you ultimately have to find either a broker or someone that you have a relationship with. They may have access to some high volume account or, you know, consistent spot opportunities, whatever it is. So in terms of the lack of finding consistent freight, then you have the, the ability to actually find a reliable partner. I think a lot of times that we've heard from carriers is like they kind of have their guard up when they're working with a broker. Um, but with Transix, what we have done is really come in and said, like, hey, we're a business partner. We're not just a broker. And we have technology to help you be able to leverage our network of freight that we have. And it just like, once again, it's not just one load, but we have consistent, dense freight. That, that's what they're looking for. Consistent, repeatable business that allows them to focus on growing, scaling their business instead of every day trying to survive. And does Transfix fit, and forgive me if this is, sounds like a dumb question, but is it is it a replacement for like a TMS or like a fleet management software, or is it really a complement to those those different platforms? Yep. So at Transfix, uh, we have Transfix, we have a, the, our brokerage, and so we're able to provide them free, but we also have Transfix FMS. And Transfix FMS is a fleet management tool for carriers. It allows them to fully manage their fleet. It doesn't just, it's not limited to Transfix. They can use it across their whole entire book of business. So other brokers, other shippers, which is actually a very unique thing. We're not building just a tool that can help Transfix. We're building a tool that actually enables the carrier to optimize their business. And then the platform enables them to have a streamlined communication. So with the Transfix FMS, they're able to not only manage their fleet, but now they have automation to communication to either send load updates, load details to their, their driver. The driver can send updates to their dispatcher in the centralized platform but they can also automate communication to their brokers or the shippers that they're working with, which is actually a feature that carriers love because you have that load that's delivering at three in the morning and the dispatcher is likely sleeping. 
the driver sends that update to the dispatcher. The shipper doesn't get the update till the dispatcher wakes up. But with Transfix FMS, the dispatcher is actually able to set automatic updates. That once that load delivers, it automatically sends that update to the shipper. And once the you know dispatcher gets back in the office, off they go to either finding more freight for the trucks that they need, or they're able to you know not have to focus on something that's already been completed. And another thing that we have is a new feature that we release, which is it allows a, a carrier to post all their available trucks and have a, a centralized list of all their available trucks that they can share with brokers or shippers. And why is this so 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 different? And the reason why is like, you know, being on the receive again as a broker, a lot of times I'm getting all these emails of available trucks. And oftentimes you call the carrier, it's like, sorry, that truck is gone. But with Transfix FMS, they're able to post their trucks and they can send a live link to their brokers, to their shippers that they are updating. So if that truck is covered, it automatically removes it from that list. If they have a truck that became available, they can then update the list. And in real time, the people who have the link get, get those updates. That sounds like such a breath of fresh air because then these carriers don't have to spend all that time sending emails and making phone calls and letting people know status updates about their trucks. They can just send one link and be like, here, check for yourself. Now, on the shipper side of things, do you find it that I, I would imagine that this is a, a tool that can help shippers develop those intimate relationships or those better relationships with carriers? It, it, is that a safe assumption about what, what Transfix can, can do for shippers on the shipper side of things, that they can actually connect with carriers easily without having to go through a, a 3PL? So with Transfix, one thing that we pride ourselves in is scoring our carriers and ensuring that who is using our platform is high quality. So that's how shippers are empowered, or are empowered, right? We give them high quality capacity because we have partner carriers that are using our platform and providing those updates. So everything's happening in, in real time and streamlining that communication. Ultimately, what we're trying to minimize is that lag between an update. And that's where the carriers empower FMS. They're able to provide those updates. They're able to empower their driver with sending those real-time updates as well, collecting the POD, streamlining what it would take to do a, you know, invoice a shipment. The driver can, you know, immediately deliver a load, uploads the POD and invoices. And once again, this is not just for a transfix load. This is for the whole entire book of business, which like when you can, when you add that element of it, it's so different because it's actually empowering a carrier to have a, a, a partner broker with them. But then they also have this uh, freight, uh, freight platform that takes their business to the next level. Now, I, I would like to say that, you know, we're kind of in a post-COVID world, but we're obviously not. Um, but with the, I guess, the the transition from folks from the, 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 uh, the world that we knew before COVID to the world that we find ourselves in now, are you finding that more shippers and carriers are, are wanting to adopt technology or some of them maybe are still a little hesitant? I think we're seeing a big shift into technology. I think that like what, if anything, what is, this has showed us throughout the COVID and post-COVID world is that technology is essential and that the trucking industry needs to evolve and it is evolving. I think this digitization of trucking that is happening is, is awesome, right? Like more now than ever, carriers want to understand what facilities are taking long to unload or which ones are efficient. Shippers are asking, hey, like how can I improve my unloading or lo loading? Which ones the facility need to focus? Because ultimately driving that efficiency and being very prescriptive using data is what's gonna allow us to really find the, like, the areas of opportunity a lot of things were used to, you know, used to be word of mouth, but now like even in meetings that I'm in with shippers, it's like, show me the data. Carriers are showing up with data and saying like, look, like this is like how long it's taking me to drive now. It's taking seven hours versus six or this facility takes three versus five. But it's definitely changing and it's for the better, to be honest. 
Absolutely. So, so, I mean, it sounds like you guys have already uh, accomplished so much. Did you have any, you know, sort of goals or, or things that you're going to be releasing, you know, for 2022 or beyond? Yeah. So we're, we are focusing heavily on investing in the carrier platform. Um, our focus is really to en- enable carriers, help carriers get into this digitization. Uh, we want to empower them with technology. How do you make a small operator feel like a thousand truck company? And technology is really what's the difference between a lot of these companies. So we're going to continue to invest in that and that experience to allow carriers to have technology at their fingertips. The platform, the F Transfix FMS is free with is free. So any carrier can sign up for it. Either they work with us on, on the brokerage side or they don't. And I think that's also an amazing aspect of it because our focus is we want to empower carriers with technology and not have to like charge them a premium for it. It's just like come use this and come evolve the business and jump with us as we go to transform truck, trucking. I, I love that model because then it's 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 one less cost that the carrier has to worry about uh, initially. And then they become, you know, maybe users of the platform. They adopt it more into their workday and then become paying customers, hopefully in the future. And then, you know, everybody is saving time and they're saving money. Um, so it, it sounds like a, you know, a great platform in order for, you know, any kind of established carrier, or new carrier in order to join. Now, I, 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 I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up because I was looking at your LinkedIn earlier today. Notice that you went to UCF. I live in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, so I'm surrounded by Gator fans. I'm not sure if you follow, you know, UCF football at all, but I just wanted to say thank you for, for UCF program beating the Florida Gators in a bowl game because it just shut the Gator fans up around here. So, um, I'm not sure. Did you catch any of that game? I did. I was super excited. I have a really good friend of mine. That's a Gator. And, you know, in the morning I texted him, you know, just a big (laughs) smiley face. Now yeah, go Knights. We're we're very happy. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those things where it's always, you know, it's it's such a beautiful campus. And, you know, I think for it almost feels like the little brother trying to, you know, get to the point where they're, you know, on the same level as the big brother. And, you know, anytime you can knock Florida fans down, you know, a peg or two, I, I feel like it's a big win, you know, collectively in the sports world. So so thank you for that. Shout out to UCF um, for, for taking care of that. All right. Uh, let's figure out where can folks follow more of Jonathan's work? Where can they follow more Transfix work? All that good stuff. Yeah, you can follow us on Instagram at transfix.io um, is, is our name. If you're interested in Transfix FMS, you can go to transfix.io forward slash FMS, or you can email us at FMS at transfix.io. And we can give you a demo. We can sign you up to work for Transfix. Come check it out. It's free. You can use it in all your business. There's no reason not to check it out. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, Jonathan. Great perspective. And, and I'll echo your statement. Go Knights. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, we talked about two different angles today. Well, really three different angles because we opened up the show with the logistics of championship merchandise. And then we got into a bunch of the health and wellness side of things, especially for drivers, especially because they're there. It's such a challenging job to to be a part of and adding a little bit of a healthy atmosphere to that job is always a good thing. And then we got a chance to chat with Jonathan and talk about how carriers can level up their work processes and, and just make their business a little bit more streamlined using technology and like Jonathan said, free technology to get started with. So, I mean, you can't really beat that. So let's head into our last story of the day. And as promised, we're talking about the attention economy for cows because that's we cover the attention economy as a big it's a big topic on this show on a constant basis between content marketing and social media. 
but the attention economy for cows also exists. And it's a fun story that I want to leave you with because let's take a look at these cows in Turkey with VR headsets on. And it's quite an interesting journey because a farmer who heard that pleasant surroundings, this farmer actually has a history of trying to make the environment for his cows um, happier because he's used to playing classical music for them, but he switched gears. He's kind of upped his game a little bit because he heard that the pleasant surroundings can help reduce a cow's anxiety and produce more milk. Um, so over in Turkey, because the cows can't go outside during the winter, they're they're stuck inside the big barn. Now, obviously, it's comfortable inside of the barn for them, but they still, you know, it's sort of like, you know, cows are just like big dogs. Um, and they're kind of like people, too, in a sense that you need to get outside more and you need to see those pleasant surroundings. Um, but because they can't go outside, is it Kocek? And I'm, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of his name, but that's the farmer's name. He's from Turkey and he started using custom VR goggles to help his herd get a little bit more relaxed. And it's worked because milk production went from 22 liters a day to 27 in a single day simply by using the VR headsets. Um, the story was covered by Metro over in the UK, and I'm going to quote the article here. It says, the headsets were developed with vets and first tested on a farm in Moscow. Farmers worked with developers, vets, and consultants at the farm near Moscow to beam the cattle a simulation of a summer field. To make the imagery work, IT specialists needed to tweak the color palette in the software to make it suitable to the animal's unique vision. Cows can't see red or green. They're only able to perceive dull shades of yellow and blue. But the Russian Ministry of Agriculture is convinced that the trick does work. In a statement in 2019, officials said environmental conditions have a significant impact on cow health and as a consequence, the quality and the quantity of milk that is being produced. Now, on this show, we've talked a lot about the metaverse in the past, but a more realistic approach to the metaverse is by using what's called digital twin technologies, like the case here. You're, you're simulating a real-world environment, except for you're experiencing it in VR headset goggles. And if you're you're not watching the, the live stream TV programming, then how I can explain it to you is that you have your standard sort of Oculus Rift type uh, merchandise that, that sits on top of two eyes. But because of the way the cow's head is shaped, they have to use two of them at the same time. So if you're watching some of the video clips that are playing for this, what you'll see is that there's like one or two cows that are in this line of cows that are all eating. And the one cow is just, you know, chomping away at the food, but he's got one pair of the VR set on one pair of eyes and or one set one eye. And then on the other eye, he's got another VR goggle set. And sometimes he's bumping into other cows. And so it's kind of moving around and it's coming off of his eyes. So the farmer really has to be there in order to watch and make sure that the VR goggles are on correctly during the entire time. So each cow will get their little session of VR and seeing the nice green pastures. I guess it doesn't really look green to them if they if cows can't see in, in red or green. I think that's what the, the article said earlier is that they perceive shades of yellow and blue. So I guess maybe they're looking at the blue grass or, or the yellow grass. Well, whatever works for them because it's clearly working because it's upped the milk production from 22 liters to 27 uh, liters. So if the cows can't go outside and they're unhappy, slap some VR goggles on and make them a little happier. They produce more milk. You get more milk. 
everybody. It's a win-win sort of situation. So I think it's one of those, it's one of those occasions where we can take VR technology, we can take, you know, sort of the con, some of the concepts of the metaverse and apply it into the real world. And it's having real world benefits. So that's just one simple kind of use case of the metaverse, because I think with a lot of flack that the metaverse gets is that it's this internet that we are going to jump into in the near future, when in reality, a lot of the metaverse is really already here. The biggest sort of gap for folks and animals to take advantage of these different metaverse ecosystems is the hardware. So you have these situations where you have the goggles or the VR headset that you would have to have in order to experience some parts of the metaverse, but then you have other parts of the metaverse that you can experience as digital twins, as sort of the AR, which is AR is more of the augmented reality. So if you've ever played Pokemon Go, if you've ever, you know, opened up Snapchat and you see the different landscapes that happen on your phone, I think that that's more AR is more of a realistic uh, tool that we'll be able to take advantage of sooner rather than later. Whereas the the concept of the metaverse is really an entire open world, open internet, and each of these different silos, such as Fortnite or uh, Cal VR, um, all of them live within one central metaverse. So hopefully that kind of helps, you know, sort of unmuddy the waters when it comes to uh, these things that are drawing more and more of our attention. I guarantee you know somebody over the holiday break that probably got a VR headset. Um, and so they're probably starting to just now explore that journey into these different new ways to entertain ourselves. And it might feel like a little bit of a dystopian uh, landscape, but then on the other hand, it really will give an opportunity to have real world benefits like cows producing more milk, or maybe someone that has a, you know, a disability challenge that isn't able to, to climb a mountain, then they'll be able to experience that doing that same thing in a VR meta sort of world. Um, I think that that's probably the best case scenario and the best way to explain it. And then on the business side of things, you have the sort of the concepts and the early ideas is that you'll be able to slap on a VR headset and be able to diagnose an IT server that it may be million, you know, not millions, but maybe miles away. And so you can be able to diagnose that issue by controlling a robot and using it as a digital twin. That robot is working in and out of that server warehouse. And so you're just programming it in order to follow your command. So it's a, it's it's really cool stuff that's going on. And it's definitely the future. Some of that future is already here, but it's, it's, it's cool to see it in a way that's not necessarily mocking um, the newer internet technologies that are coming into our sphere. So just a fun little story. I think it's a win-win for everybody. If we get more milk, if the cows are happier, um, then that means there's so many other different applications of what we could be using this platform for. So that about does it for this week's Cyberly episode. Thank you to everyone for tuning into the show. If you missed any part of this episode, you can catch replays over on FreightWaves TV. You can also follow Cyberly in your podcast player of choice. Until next week, we air every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. My name is Blythe Brumley. You can catch all of my work over at digitaldispatch.io. And like I said, we'll be back next week at 2 p.m. And I'll see you all real soon. 